I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. podcast Sunderland are back to winning ways in the league of course um, since that 4-0 drubbing at Portsmouth in the rain so happy vibes again and to speak about it with myself is Gareth Barker as always Hi <laughs> That's my thing, that's my that's thing, gonna be your thing. Yeah. just a pause just as you think I'm going to say something elaborate I just say hi. That's it. Worst catchphrase ever. Well, uh, I mean, that's that's no, I don't agree. There's probably worse ones. Okay. Uh, joining me also is uh, James Hunter from the Chronicle. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. See, you you were complaining and being on, so we thought we'd get you on again. So make up make up for lost time here. Twice in a few weeks. Yeah. Wow. Um. And uh, you've just said there that you're glad to be back from Gillingham before we, we come on air. It's a long, old way. I can tell you that. It's a long way. It is. And how are the press facilities down there? Um, ah, it's all right. I mean, decent decent press box. Um, there was no press room or anything like that open this time. I think there's uh, a bit of a problem between the media down there and, and the chairman. So I think yeah. they're providing bare minimum facilities, let's put it that way. No food or anything, no? <laughs> no, nothing like that. I think Steve, was, Steve Evans has had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever would give you that impression. <laughs> what's, it, what's it like to generally? That, that what, What's the standard like of that generally down there? Because obviously that's something fans don't say, but you know, you, you see a variation of standards even in the Premier League, don't you, when it comes to press facilities? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the Premier League, obviously there's a, there's a minimum standard and it's specified. I don't know whether whether the same thing applies in in the EFL. I mean so certainly it varies massively. Sunderland's far and away the the you know got the best facilities of, of any club in League One as you probably expect, you know, and uh, get very well looked after there. But um I suppose um you know some of the grounds that there isn't room for a for a media room or anything like that, you know, you're just grateful if the, if the, the Wi-Fi works over the 90 minutes and uh, if you've got enough room because some of the grounds that they're not built for, you know, the amount of media that uh, that cover games these days. Hmm. Oh, well, there you go. Um, just the, the thought, thought I would ask, because of course the away end is, is uncovered down at Gillingham, isn't it? So, Thankfully, it's covered is the press <laughs> box. Because, I mean, you know, we were saying, imagine if... Uh, that Portsmouth game, I imagine if, uh, if if that had have been 
the Gillingham fixture and uh, and those those fans would have been stood there in the pouring rain like we had at Portsmouth. That would have been ludicrous. I mean, just like the Accrington game the other I was year. Say, no, yeah, what happened to that again? Yeah, I mean, just uh, horrific, you know, to be in that, that kind of situation. St. James's Park, a long time ago. Remember that yes, one? well, I was definitely there in that one, yeah, absolutely drenched. Mm. But I, the one before, actually, as well, even when Keegan was their manager, when um, before St. Yeah. James's Park had been done out, and the Southern fans were out in the open. Right. Um, when, I think... We Terry, lost, Butch, Terry Butcher was the manager. Yeah, it's Terry Butcher, <coughs> well. and he... He tried to drown David Kelly, he told us on the podcast. Yeah, we yeah. Did Which is available. Um, if you go, <laughs> thinks Richard put all all this all the stuff in the little area that we did with uh, meet the managers and whatever. So mm. yeah. hear Terry tell his story about that. Um, if you go to the website and find the meet the managers page, if you haven't heard it already, yeah, definitely do that. Right. So uh, back to winning ways in the league at least, um, because <clears> you know, although yes, the um, grabbing wins in the in the Pizza Cup is great, really. It was important that they bounced back in the league, James, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, of course, it was very important that um, that they immediately um, did get some uh, victories. You know, those two games in the in the trophy were great, but they were with very different lineups and with, you know, very different things at, at stake. It's not like uh, um, winning in, in the league. So that really, uh, I guess the... the um, Gillingham game was the game that really followed on from from the Portsmouth defeat. So it was so important that they that they proved um, what everybody seemed to suspect at the time uh, that Portsmouth was just a blip as opposed to the start of anything more worrying. Um, and thankfully, you know, based on the result at least uh, on Saturday, um, it does seem that, that Portsmouth game was just a one-off uh, blip in the pouring rain. And did Gillingham do all the things we thought they would do? Sort of put it long, put it in the mixer, try to bully us out of the game? Because that's kind of what Portsmouth did in adapting to the conditions better than us. So it's good in a way that we we come up against another challenge like that straight away. Yeah, yeah, they, they did. I mean, obviously, Steve Evans' side uh, are always uh, very physical sides. They, they try and, um, as you say, bully. And uh, um, they're very... Um, uh, tough physical demand on the on the players. Uh, I know we was talking to Tom Flanagan after the game, and he was saying that Crew would present a very different type of challenge. Obviously, more of a footballing team, but yeah, Gillingham are, uh, are a tough team to play against, and I think Sunderland did did very well to to recover from the disappointment of falling behind, and you know, in the opening half hour to that penalty um, and turn the game round. Mm. And. Uh... Any any standout performances for you, Gareth, in, in this game before we we look at the goals and stuff like that, uh, particularly in that in that spell where we were under the cosh? Um, I guess he, obviously the goalkeeper is the obvious one. Um, <clears throat> he's looking more and more assured in his performances every game. He just looks the part now, which is really good to see. You don't worry about you don't worry about your keeper before the no. before the game anymore, do you? We're, we're, he's very, and we, and we've had that, haven't we, yeah. in recent years? He's very relaxed um, in his style. He seems just very calm, and he's made, he made a, a couple of really excellent saves, particularly the one in the right at the end, which he tipped onto the onto the bar, which he had the time his his jump perfectly, really to to get that pushed away and get the leverage on it. Um, and he's won us. We talked about goalkeepers costing us points regularly um, since John McLaughlin left. 
Um, we could certainly say that Hoffman won us points on Saturday, which is positive. I thought Sirkin again gets better every week, I think. He, he looked really good again. Um, bit unlucky when he kind of got in and then kicked the ball off his off his left foot when he when he could have you know got got a second goal. Um, I would say that I mean in terms of standout performances, I'd probably argue you know that was it. I mean Flanagan again, like you know you, he's you can hang your hat on this season, can't you? He's been. Excellent. And I would have loved to have been brilliant in the goal. away end. I would have loved. That's just the type of goal you love when you're behind when you're behind uh, a goal, isn't it? Just a header at the back post like yeah. that. But for some reason, there's something really, really sort of. Uh, well, it's you, you know, he's it's that desire that he showed. It was he was only going to be one winner of that of that header, and it was him because he, he wanted it more, as the cliche goes. Nice ball at the back post as well, and Dan Neal again. Obviously, I mean, what more can you say about? Him as a as a talent, I mean, he gets he, again. He gets better and better, like his maturity. That turn, I don't know. Frankie and Danny always talked about in the commentary, but like every every time it works, where he just kind of spins on the ball and takes it away from the oncoming player. You know, you'd think it'd be easy to stop, or if you if he does it every time, but obviously it's not. Um, and he's just got that ability. Um, and it was a great ball in for the goal, and well done to O'Brien as well. It's funny, isn't it? O'Brien and so when you read sort of like forums and Twitter and stuff like that, um, you know, O'Brien and Flanagan are the two players that seem to get the most stick almost, certainly before the season starts. Maybe, maybe not now. Um, and it was just seems a bit like harsh, like just decided like all oh, these two players are crap sort of thing. It's like, well, maybe you haven't seen what you wanted to see from O'Brien in terms of goal return and he had a bit of a sloppy start. But I think generally he you know he he can come in and do do a decent job. Um he he should be scoring more goals really because he's got a good ability. I think he's got decent technical ability, nice touch at times, but I think some of the criticism of him has been a, a little bit harsh, like almost writing him off before he's even kicked the ball. Mm. Um, it was a good desire from him for the goal as well. You meant you, you talk about Flanagan. It was a good, it was a good finish. Yeah. It's a good centre forward finish. And yeah. I, I'm happy with it, James. In, in terms, of, you know, we said it was important for Sutton to bounce back, but then uh, after going a goal down as well, it was a, it was great to see them get a goal so late in the first half because they, it just showed that they weren't giving up and they were still, um, you know, giving their all, which is it's, it's an underrated quality. We spoke about that when Kane was manager, not stopping. Yeah, I mean, the first half performance wasn't great. You know, they were second best against uh, Gillingham throughout the, the whole first half. Um, I know that, that all Gillingham had to show for it was that that penalty, that, that goal from there. They hadn't really um, managed to find a way past Hoffman um, aside from that. Um, but Sunderland looked like they were going to come off a goal behind and it was going to be a case of, of trying to stir things up in, in the second half. So... Um, to get that goal right at the at the death there in, in injury time, um, I think that that will have changed Lee Johnson's team talk at half time massively um, because suddenly instead of having to stir the players up and and get them to come from behind, they were they were going in level and it was it was like starting the game afresh if you like in the, in the second half. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was very important. I think um, probably something that, that wouldn't go. Um, uh, you know, 
not quite unnoticed, but you know the, the importance would have been uh, would have been o- overlooked because everybody would have been concentrating on the uh, uh, the Flanagan goal and and Elliot Hamilton's red card. But yeah, getting back out on terms so late in the first half really really did make a difference. I felt. To the mood, you know, to the mood of the fans as well. Yeah, of course, it does makes a massive difference, and they're going, def- you know, the polar opposite, don't they? Deflated, and yeah, you know, how have we managed to, you know, how have we managed to come in not not leading? So no, it was I mean, good. It worked out is, well. The thing is with Gillingham, though, they, they did a lot of hard work to to just be one nil up. Like they didn't like apart. They had a spell after about five minutes um, from the where they got a couple of corners, but they didn't really do anything um, until I got the penalty and then they didn't do anything after that just to kind of like they had to work hard to to contain us when we had the ball I think we had about 65-70% of the ball in the first half I think they were saying so you know they did a lot of work and <clears throat> they're probably thinking well we've, we've stifled the threat here we've got half time and then the defender at the back post just gone to sleep hasn't he and when that ball's been clipped in, O'Brien's done well to keep moving and, and get on the end of it. Um, but yeah. I know, you know, the I can be annoyed, but the the way they played the game, it wasn't like they battered us. They were just like in that first half, it was just a bit like a containing performance where they'd got that goal, and it was like, right, well, let's hang on to this. Um, I think Gillingham are known for being a bit of a first half team as well. Um, I've heard some comments on other podcasts and stuff before, and. I watched Gillingham a few times when they played other teams. Like last year, they battered Peterborough in the first half, one a little bit half time, and then like got. I think they were like three one down within like sixty minutes. Um, so, and they've lost a lot of players, haven't they? in the in the summer? Lost a few decent players, particularly Graham, who's always looked really excellent when we've played them. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, 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 I think. We kind of wore them down a little bit and start the second half until Elliot Hamilton got sent off. We were on top, and I think had he stayed on the pitch, I think the third was it was inevitable. The third goal, and I think it was only a matter of time before that came, um, and then obviously changed the game completely um, with the with the sending off. Red card for everyone. Yeah, fiery amber card. Fiery amber. Sinbin, bringing sinbins. Is that what we're saying? It was it was it was a, one of those where if he'd have given a yellow, you'd have said he got away lightly, and if you give him a red, then people were saying, "Well, was it a harsh red?" Um, but it certainly wasn't three reds, unlike Steve Evans thought it was. Yeah, it was I three, mean, three, three reds and a leg breaker. It certainly wasn't one of those. It was just a stupid. It reminded us of um, remember Jake Clark Salters the other went on uh, was a Triore for Middlesbrough. I under I'm Coleman, I try and block that season in my memory. Yeah, it was that three. It was that three-all draw, and then like Traore got sent or sent off after for like punching someone or something in the in the goal mouth. Right. Um, but like uh, Clark Salters, um, like come sliding in from about a different postcode and took him out, and it was more that I think it was. It was just as soon as it as soon as the ball ran away from it, it was like, oh, here we go. Like he knew exactly what he was going to do, and it. He gave him a decision to make, didn't he? And I can't, yeah. I, you can't really complain. I, I know Johnson apparently said something to the effect of it. They were saying it was a, like the fourth official in the <clears> lines when <throat> we're saying yellow. 
but the referee's got a better view than them, and the, he didn't complain, and yeah. Elliot Embleton's not complained, and all our players haven't really complained, have they? No, no, I, I, I think you know it's one of those like <clears throat> it could have gone either way, but if it goes red, then you can't really have too many complaints. I don't think uh, on on that one, but it was it all came about because Elliot's first touch let him down, and um, and he. You know, lunged in, didn't he? I mean, we used to yeah. see that a lot with Lee Catamol. Most of Lee Catamol's red cards were were like that, weren't they? And uh, um, you know, it happens. Um, yeah, so it's, it's disappointing because Sunderland are, are already down to the bare bones with injuries, and then to lose a obviously Elliot for three games now is, is a bit of a problem. It certainly is, and we'll get on to that when we we look ahead to the Crew game tomorrow. Uh, but how how do we think that the team dynamics worked? Obviously, a lot of shuffling around went quite narrow with the with the shape, didn't he? Yeah, well, he yeah, didn't have many options, did he? With with so many wide men um, out, with you know Gooch and McGeady and Dejaku all all missing through injury, <clears throat> so um, he had to come up with what what Lee Johnson refers to as tactical solutions. Um, and so yeah, they played. The sort of old-fashioned inside forwards in Hamilton and uh, and Pritchard, so uh, it, it worked. It worked pretty well. Um, it'd be interesting to see um, if any of the the injured lads uh, are fit to return at Crew now. Um, uh, he said McGee was fifty-fifty, Gooch was seventy-thirty against. So I would assume that's a no for him. Um, and he didn't really put a, a likelihood on the Jacku. Um, so uh, I guess we just have to have to wait and see uh, if, if any of those um, wander onto the pitch before before the match tomorrow night. It's a good opportunity for Pritchard this little spell now, then, isn't it? He needs to do more, I think, in my opinion, of what I've seen so far. Even I could like got the assist at the weekend, but I just think he's just a bit too passive in the game generally. <clears throat> you know, I think Embleton was the same. To be fair, the weekend until the second half, he, he sort of started to improve, but. Pretty anonymous in the first. Um, but yeah, that, it's a funny one with um, with uh, Pritchard. Kind of feels a little bit like the kind of signing would have made last year rather than the kind of signings we've made this year when you kind of compare it, if you know what I mean. Um, kind of this player who should be better than he's shown in the last few years. So uh, someone who's going to have big fees in the past and then, you know, we're the big club so we can pick that kind of player up and we'll make him better. Like, we'll get the best out of him sort of thing. Um, and he's done okay at times. Um, and yes, it was a good contribution for the goal, but I'd expect a player who's, you know, this will be the lowest level he's played in a long time. I don't know if you ever played down here for Norwich. I don't know if that was before his time, but I feel as though... You know, you'd expect a little bit more from him, especially after you know like eleven games in the season and all the cup games we've had. Mm. That assist would have done them the world of good, though, James. As well, wouldn't it? He needs a goal, really. It would be nice from a pop of the goal. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I saw him in pre-season, and, and sorry, didn't see him in pre-season, did we? Because he was uh, he was injured throughout up yeah. and, in, and ill throughout <clears throat> pre-season. So, so I think that's that was. Um, Part of the problem really meant that he, he got off to a, a slow start. He had to to wait to get into the team. And it's been a surprise for me that he's not managed to make a place in the team his own, really. He's kind of been in in and out, hasn't he? 
Um, and I guess that tells its own story. I think he's got the ability. I'm trying to remember the game that, that he really impressed me and um, might have been the Blackpool game, was it? Was it the Blackpool Cup game? Yeah. Whatever, whichever one it was anyway, uh, it could have been that one. Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant, you know, and uh, um, at that point you you wondered um, how you could possibly leave him out. But, but yeah, um, I think it, it seems that Lee Johnson tries to pick either Embleton or, or Pritchard. Um, he sees them kind of a, a one or the other under most circumstances. Obviously, at the weekend at Gillingham, he didn't have many options um, but to play them both. Um, but yeah, it's one of one of those two in the number 10 role, isn't it, normally? Um, and to, to be honest with you, I think of the two of them, Embleton's looked the, the better bet yeah. when when everybody's been fit and he's been able to play his four two three one and whatnot. Hamilton's been the better bet up to now. Yeah, I think so. Well, we'll um, take a little break and then we'll look ahead of crew. <laughs> Don't know how many changes you can even make with the um, with the way things are at the moment, but we'll just talk about again, like the season so far and uh, what we can do um, going forward. <laughs> Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. Cargo shorts. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Or bucket heads. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Right, let's just have a little bit of a discussion now about Sunderland's start of the season and then look uh, ahead to the uh, crew game, which is uh, Tuesday night. So either tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you are listening to this. So <clears throat> as people know, we always put this graphic out on our Twitter just to um, keep us in check with with the kind of season Sunderland are having. So we put a little red dotted line on there that indicates two points per game. So we can see where Sunderland are in relation to that. And then we also um, drop um, the Sunderland sides from the previous three seasons in League One again, just as a bit of a comparison. So we are still um, ahead of the two points per game line. So we will, we, when you use that as the league table, we're actually second behind Wigan. Um, we both have 25 points and 2.27 points per game. But there are four sides with who are above that red line. Wickham and possibly the surprise, 
surprise package, Plymouth, who got another good win uh, at the weekend. And they are bang on two points per game. Plymouth, we've got two games in hand on them, of course, and we're a point behind. But notably as well, interesting lads, that this is a good four points better off than the best starts Sunderland have ever had since they've been down here, which was the season, which was last season, actually. Surprises, but you might be surprised to hear, because um, instinctively you would think towards the Jack Ross season, perhaps, wouldn't you? But 21 points after 11 games last season. Um, so uh, we are a good four points better off. So regardless of what other teams are doing, it's going okay at the moment, isn't it, when you look at that? Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's been been a good start, hasn't it? I don't think you can, uh, you know, you can't argue with that, can you? It's, uh, it's it's been a very good start. If you look, you know, what they dropped um, eight points, is it? Two defeats and a draw. Two defeats yeah. and a draw. Yeah. Yeah. So they've dropped eight points um, in eleven games. That's not bad going. Um, tracking ahead of that two points per game benchmark that we keep talking so much about. Um, so yeah, you know. I think that that allied to the you know, obviously very much secondary, but progress in in the cup competitions as as well. You know, I, I think um, you've got to look back on this and say it's been uh, been a very good start. Mm, rather than a close to that two point per game as well. You do wonder how many teams are going to break off. This is certainly more like the first season we were down here when um, Barnsley, Luton, Sunderland, and Portsmouth kind of just pulled away, didn't they, from from the rest of the league. Um, you know, with the top four all being on two points per game so far, but Rotherham are hanging around. But we're back to that games in hand, aren't we, Gareth? That's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, so we see, we see, we have that every season we've been down here. Maybe, but it feels a little bit. I don't know. Like at this stage of the season, it feels a little bit like the games in hand. It was always like, well, you need to win both of them to get into the top two. Whereas we draw a game and we. Would be in the top two basically on, on the games in hand if you just played on that one <clears> night or whatever. Um, so, in that respect, I, I think it's you know a little bit different. I, I guess you know the thing you got lighted overall what we've played was it sixteen games in total this season. Um, so the three in the League Cup and two in the Papa John's, which we've won all five games, and then we've won eight in the league. I mean, in terms of like. Starts to a season win percentage. If you took all sixteen games into account, there can't be many Sunderland managers who've had a better start of the season. If you took, if you take all those competitions into account, there, there mustn't be because that's that's a lot. Of, that's what's thir- thirteen from sixteen wins. That's a that's a lot. Of feels games like we're winning every game. Feels yeah. like it feels I mean, like that's that. a lot. Of, and, like we're winning more games. You can you can put. I know people have talked about the away form thing, and I know there was a an old quest said, "Oh, well, we would only won two of our previous nine. Well, obviously that goes into last season. I think most people would say, "Well, we arguably played the best we've played this season at Burton. Somehow managed to lose a game, yeah. chucked it in the last minute at at Fleetwood, um, and then you know in Portsmouth, I think you know." People say, well, it was the same for both teams, but I mean, come on. You know, I don't think, you know, we should count a game of water polo against them too much. So, um, you know, when you look at it that well, way. tomorrow will be a good wanna, test for that then. Yeah. And if you want to put a positive spin, you want to put a positive spin on it, you'd say, yeah, we, there's an argument to say, aside from the Portsmouth game, we should have won every game this season, without a doubt, in my opinion. We, just, we should have beaten Fleetwood. And we should have beaten Burton. Like we deserve to win those games. Um, so yeah, 
It'd be interesting to know if Chris might want to do it. I don't know. I don't know how he'd find those stats out. If somebody wants to do it and send us them if you like got more ability than me and more time and and you know um win percentages after that volume of games, feel free because it can't there can't be many managers who've won 13 of the first 16 in a season. Even going back to you know the the hundred points season under Peter Reid. Like it, it must be up there with that start. It has to be. Like, yeah. I mean, if you want, even if you take the Papa John's ones out, if you want to, you know, to win eleven and you know, or how many would it be? Yeah, eleven and fourteen or whatever. It's yeah, and decent. and and it's interesting that we've been winning those games with weekend teams because I I was actually thinking about that um, myself the other day when you go back to those sort of glorious, if you can call them those, under Peter Reid, where when things are going for you. So Peter Reid would put a reserve team out in the cup and we'd hammer teams. And yeah. kind of like when the confidence is running through the club, that's what tends to happen, doesn't it? So I think, was it was it Walsall we played and we won 5-0 something and he played an entirely different yeah. starting eleven, and he put a reserve team out and it was just yeah. during our period, you just feel so confident with what, like, whatever team, um, whatever team you put out. I mean, we actually got the semi-final year, we won the league in the League Cup, didn't we? We did. Yeah, and obviously, you know, by the time we got to the semi-final, he was putting a full-strength team out. By the time we got to the quarter-final, I think, but he wasn't He wasn't before that, so... Well, I'm not sure what team he played in the quarters, because I think we played Luton in the quarters. We did, but Quinn played, because he scored... Yeah, I don't know if he came on. Sure Brid- yeah, he scored like a lob, didn't he? Oh, I think Bridges, Bridges... I'm sure Bridges was involved in the game. Yeah. Um, but can't... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, by the time we got to the semi-final, it certainly was a... A full strength outfit. Yeah. Um mentioned yeah. the 105, 105 point season. Uh, I was just having a little count up while you were chatting there, guys, and some of them were unbeaten at this stage in, yeah. in that that. But um after eleven league games, they they'd drawn five. They'd drawn yeah. five of those. So that's what it cost them that year. And that's yeah. in many ways what's different this season compared to the Jack Ross season in League One. Um you know that Sunderland haven't drawn as many games this time. Only only the one draw, that one at Fleetwood, which is as you rightly said, Gareth. You know they should have won. I should have closed that game out. Um, so they've had the two defeats, but the vast majority of, of games they've they've won, and that's made all the difference, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Sunderland did play a full strength team against Luton in the quarterfinal. Sorensen, Megan, Scott, Ball, Melville, Butler, Summerby, Clark, Quinn, Bridges, Johnson. It's not a bad team, is it? <laughs> it's not a bad team at all. Is it? No. Um, yeah, but it, they have. I think you know the the main. The, I know we're kind of probably touching it previously, but the major positives have been when we've made those changes, and obviously bringing it on to tomorrow, um, or Tuesday night, depending on when you're listening. Um, the fact, even though we've seen players who've been essentially under twenty three players come in at times, um, they played the same way. And you know it's that sort of the the modern football cliche of the the day what the DNA of the club and all that kind of thing, and obviously they've been able to implement that relatively swiftly. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow with the no- some notable performances from some midfield players um, from that group below. And obviously the game you are at tonight, James, against Newcastle in the twenty threes game. Um, you might get an, an idea of who may be involved tomorrow night, um, and and how the you know who's in that squad. 
Um, any any of those players have, uh, have taken the chance? Do we think which of those ones, which of those young lads are likely to be <laughs> to be called upon, if any? Stephen Wern, you'd have to say, is is the one, wouldn't you? He'd be the one that, that um, I'd be looking at to play tomorrow night um, with Elliot Embleton missing. Is he a um, wide player primarily, or like more of a forward? Probably um, work that out. I think I think that he would probably play him if you're going to play him anywhere. I'd be inclined to play him in the number ten role. Okay, that's why that's, that's why I think he, he he'd be likely to do with him. Certainly, um, he's certainly one of those three behind the behind the strikers, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Whichever order you want to put that in, yeah, yeah. That, that would be my guess. Play him in the number number ten role, um, because it, it, you're going to have to come up with some kind of. It's going to be a, a narrow a narrow thing again, isn't it? Because uh, well, well unless, unless any of these these wide lads come come back, you know, McGeady and the others that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. That's a good, go point about, a good point about the under twenty three team though night. That would be interesting to see if he's in it. And what what's the other guy from we like again from Sola. Villa? Yeah, he's, oh, he's, good as well. he's been excellent mm. on the very good user of the ball. I mean, he doesn't do a lot else than yeah. get the ball back and pass it on. But that's not if you're not giving the ball away. That's not a bad thing, is it? And he looks like like you were saying, Stephen, on Thursday. He's always asking for the ball, yeah. and he doesn't just do it like talking gesture. He moves in areas where he can receive it. He doesn't like hide behind, um, hide behind sort of other midfielders and like ask you know ask for the ball because he knows he's never going to get it. I think, I guess, an option he might have that he might look at given the situation is I don't I know Alves has been missing the last couple of games so but he's not being mentioned as an injury problem so he's got he's got a slight um glute problem right, okay. sore, sore backside as uh, you might otherwise call it um so that was what it was a, a strain apparently I mean he could go to with to a three at the back and have the wing backs with Sirkin and Winchester and then he could have Neil sitting with or nine and Pritchard in front, and then O'Brien and I like the idea of him tinkering too much. No, but I'd rather he played that, and it gave us a bit of width than went with the uh, went with that narrow, narrow. Um, mm. two. I just think I'd, you're in I'd, danger. I'd, you know, he's got this reputation for being I'd, streaky, and I just think you're in danger of just losing focus and track if you just. Stop. I don't say, but you're not do you're not doing that too much. Like you, I think in that in that scenario, you 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 utilizing the players you got available in a system that works. I think they've played three at the back this season when they've gone to see games out with Wright coming into a three. I don't I don't it's see really that being well. an issue. Well, it depends. In that situation, you're obviously, you know. You're trying to see a game out. This is different, but I feel as though that that shape might give us some better license. It gives Pritchard a bit of license behind that front too, um, and it puts him in a more natural position for him. I think you know if you're going to say you're going to play the same system as we did at the weekend and put Wern in there alongside Pritchard, I think I think that's. That's a bigger risk, in my opinion. I think. I, I think it's a. I would. I'd rather go to the three personally, but that that's how I would accommodate the group they've got at the moment personally. But well, how about? I mean, just as a. I don't. I don't think Johnson will, will. You know. Completely change system and things like you like you're suggesting. What about if he was to stick with his four two three one, um, but play, Denver. Wide on the left, and Aidan O'Brien wide on the right, and either Pritchard or Wern in the in the ten. 
I think that's. Would you, would you, would you take Denver as a wide left? Player? No, I don't think so. No, no, not, not in my opinion. But I think I the main weakness of Hume, the, the the main weakness in Hume's game, I think, is his final ball. Generally, so and I'd, he's already changed the team to that narrow system anyway. So he's already well, he's already tinkering to a shape that we've used last season. We used the three at the back last season quite frequently. So. And we have done this season, like you say. So I don't think it's as big a thing. Well, he put like, dice. I mean, he didn't, yeah. he didn't... Against Manchester United, he played Hume left-back and he put dice in there. <clears> yeah, I don't, I don't think he's not. No, he's I don't not, think, I don't think yeah. he is either. But what I'm saying... Oh, just oh, saying yeah. No, that's a fair point. James's point, yeah. I was, the suggestion is he doesn't fancy Hume there because he pushed dice up further up in, yeah. in, in that game. Um, I mean, it might all be academic if Dejaku's back and... Um, McGeady's back anyway, so if but I'm if they weren't, they would be up. That would be the option I'd look at. Jacku anyway. I'm not like I think obviously in time he could be a decent player, and he's got a lot of technical ability. His game awareness at the moment in general is very poor. I would say like he's he's miles off it off the ball. He's not he's not involved when he hasn't got it, and he doesn't he doesn't work hard enough back over like you know Portsmouth is a prime example like difficult game for Jack who coming in and, and playing it, you know, having his first league start in that environment. Um but he didn't he can still run. He can still run around and like Winchester was doing the work of two men down that side and he's got he's got to he's got to learn and understand that part of the game, I think. Or I'm sure he's capable of doing it. It's just I don't know why he, he just doesn't seem interested in in doing it at the moment, I feel as though like he's the kind of player you either bring on if you're losing with like 15 minutes to go, or you're three 0 up and you bring him on and just say right, well the game's won. You you know fail free to put the icing on the cake if you get the ball in a, a position in a dangerous area. So some interesting um, matchups tomorrow night. So there's a full fixture list out, and obviously we are going to crew, and it's some some good tests for the other teams up there at the top of field. Plymouth are at home to Bolton, which, I mean, Bolton was spunked at the weekend by Wigan, weren't they? But we've been generally impressed by Bolton, who'll probably be wanting to be to react to that. So, uh, you know, regardless of that, they are one of the better teams in the league. So it'll be interesting to see if Plymouth still continue to knock these teams over like they have been. Um, because, you know, the assumption is, obviously, that Plymouth might slip away and that's probably based on nothing other than <laughs> because like we don't know loads about them and they weren't one of the one of the fancy teams. Wigan um are at home to Milton Keane Dons, so again, one of the better teams in the league. So they are at home, they do have home advantage, but again it's it's a team who should hopefully be giving them um a bit of a challenge. And um Rotherham are playing Wigan. So that's interesting, isn't it? One of those sides are gonna yeah. at least one of those sides are gonna yeah. drop points. There's gonna be teams around us dropping <clears> points. Memgay <throat> Don's had a poor result the weekend, didn't they? Can't remember who they lost to, but it was Cheltenham. They got they lost to Cheltenham, which one <clears> nil. <throat> yeah, so that's probably not a great result for them. Um but you're right, it's you know it's most if the teams around us are playing each other, then you know it's Certainly, you know, with, 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 an opportunity. Yeah. It'd be to, great, to though, wouldn't it? To get, yeah, it'd be great to get back in the top two and have these two games in hand. Yeah. It would be, it would leave us in a really strong position going into yeah. the weekend, and then, um, 
and then in the international break after that, I feel it's really national break. Have 12th, made that no, 12th yeah, of November. Early November, yeah. Break, yeah. So. Okay. Right. Well, um, we'll just go out. We'll finish then, I guess, by doing the uh, prediction thing. We don't normally do that because, we, well, you know, when we have a midweek game, we do it. Um, I feel like it's a Matt Keelan thing to do, but let's do it anyway. Um, how do we... Do you want to do, do we... things that hate us? <laughs> um, I'm influenced now after, after going on a Thursday. How do we How do we think the game's going to go? Optimistic, James? Always optimistic. Always optimistic, Stephen. Um, I'm going to say 2-0. Um, but it's all it's a bit of a leap of faith because as we've just been spending the last you know, five, ten minutes or whatever saying we don't really know what team he's going to put out and what system but you know I'm going to, I'll have a punt and say 2-0 okay. confident for I'm all, I was also going to go 2-0 I think you, you look at Cruz Cruz you know the squad isn't quite as good as last year they lost a, a few players didn't they um, and they were second bottom oh, the so second bottom. I was yeah, just going to look so, at that yeah so yeah, you can't you can't be like going to crew regardless of the group we've got if they, we should be going and beating the second bottom of the league crew. Oh, yeah, they've so, won one game in 12 of the season. Yeah. The so, you know, we need to go there and, you know, I think a 2-0 win, you know, control the game, come away, you know, with the three points, that'll do me. If anybody else gets this, I want you to just, I'm on Bing rather than Google, but just put <laughs> League One table in and when it brings it up and it gives you the chance to expand and open it, it goes down a crew in 23rd, and then it shows you kill Marnock below that. Oh. As a number three next to him. Oh, there you go. That's a scale for anyone else. Doesn't uh, it the, like the and, real... and Anyone's got a spare place in the car tomorrow, leaving about <coughs> three o'clock. I'll be interested in coming, by the way. Just let us know. Sorry, go on. You're you, you, you 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 just you. like grifting for lifts. <laughs> <laughs> I fancy going. You've got to, like, you're going full like Mickey Loft, doing like the yeah. whole, like, oh, well, you know, I can't, can't go, I haven't got a ticket. I'm in work later than I'm in work later the next day. So I feel, like, I feel like gone. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry, what are you going to say? We, we, we'll go out now. I was just going to say, you'd be gutted if you were Doncaster or fine. You've just been overtaken by Kilmore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let us know. Somebody else yeah, let yeah. us know if that's the case for you as well. Go and bing and see if it does have to Can be. I, James will give you a lift down. He'll be driving down, won't he? Leaving too early for me, James. Oh, I'll leave it at the crack of dawn, mate. I've <laughs> taken a leaf out of band. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, you won't, you won't be happy about that. Which page was it? <laughs> Puts oh, a yeah, lot of work yeah. on those badges. He'd be fuming. Uh, yeah, I chose one of the uh, one of the title pages, one where he hadn't, you know, <laughs> scrawled on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he sits Monday to Friday just working on that page. I mean, I know. It? I mean, how the BBC like? I mean, license pays, money's going on. <laughs> Nick Barnes coloring in. It's an absolute joke. <laughs> Is, I mean, you, nice you know, work if you can get it. Eh? Somebody yeah, yeah. somewhere, you know, at the BBC. So, so yeah. there'll be a direct, there'll be a director of creative <laughs> scribbling or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we hopefully aren't gonna um, mess things up in the in the traditional Sunderland way, but uh, fingers crossed it. 
it goes our way. And then Matt will be back with um, a gaggle of wise men, say, I guess, on uh, Thursday. And um, I should always, do a Thursday. I should do a Thursday one soon, Stephen, and then we can like we can get people to vote who was who was best on the Thursday of the dads. By all means, by all means, put your, throw your hat into the ring. Then when my hat's uh, in the ring, it's, it's landed. It's firmly landed on the floor. My fedora's in the ring. Okay. <laughs> okay then. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>